0: Peggy Hoyt.
1: Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Bryan, where we create estate plans for pets and their people. Also brought to you by Animal Care Trust USA, a national nonprofit dedicated to keeping loved pets in loving homes. We do this by educating pet parents about the importance of getting a pet trust for their loved pet. We also provide trustee services. You can get more information at act4pets.org. Today, I am thrilled to introduce to you Lori Hood. She is the founder of Aliqua Animal Refuge. And welcome to the show, Lori. Hi, Peggy. So happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here too. And I want to tell folks all about you because you're doing such a wonderful job up there in the Florida panhandle. Thank you. So Lori is a recognized leader in animal care, protection and advocacy. She's the founder of, animal, of Aliqua Animal Refuge, the southeast premier no-kill animal refuge and sanctuary for domestic and wild animals located in northwest Florida. Lori is a true visionary and passionate animal lover since childhood. She has made a lifelong commitment to improve animals' lives as she continues to journey into bold, unchartered territory in an effort to educate others about the importance of animals in our lives and their overall welfare. Under her supervision, Aliqua has rescued and placed tens of thousands of animals into loving homes and environments since its founding 15 years ago, and has also helped countless others through partnerships and community outreach. Lori has worked with both state and national legislators to create and strengthen laws to protect animals, authored a curriculum to assist law enforcement for investigating and prosecuting animal abuse cases, starred in Animal PD, a television series on Nat Geo Wild, showcasing stories of Aliqua's animal rescue efforts in conjunction with law enforcement, and created the Equine Interactions Program, an equine assisted therapy program that utilizes rescue horses to help PTSD and other forms of human trauma. She currently is the host of Lori Hood's Difference Makers, a streaming video podcast series that spotlights animal advocates around the world. She currently serves as the Florida State Director for Animal Wellness Action, the Northwest Florida Regional Director for the Florida Wildlife Federation, the District Leader in Northwest Florida for the Humane Society of the United States, and is a founding board member of the E.O. Wilson Biophilia Center. Wow, Lori, I'm tired just reading your bio. <laughs> Me too. Me <laughs> too. <laughs> You're doing so many wonderful things, and I, I know it's a full-time passion, not just a vocation for you. So thank you for all you do. Thank you. Well, Aliqua Animal Refuge is doing some amazing things. So tell us how the whole thing got started. Well, uh, my husband and
2: I uh, decided we were going to move outside of Destin, Florida, which is where we were currently living. And we found this cute little house. And I always wanted to have horses again. And um, it just looked like the perfect little place down a dirt road. And we ended up moving there permanently and starting our family there and quickly found out that, you know, people were dumping animals at the end of the road just all the time and found out that our our county was without an animal shelter at all. You know, I always thought that there was at least a, um, you know, a animal control facility in each county, but not not here, you know, so our county was without one seven counties around me without animal shelters. Um, they were picking the animals up and taking them to a holding facility. That was a private uh, facility that would um, charge you know, $40 an animal to take them, hold them, and euthanize them. So our county and all these counties surrounding me were 100% euthanasia rates, and this is just 15 years ago. And I'm talking about thousands of animals. So something just snapped in me, and you know, I knew that I could not forget about what I had learned and I knew I had to do something. So Aliquois Animal Refuge was born and it's just been um, an amazing adventure ever since that point.
1: I would say it's been an adventure for sure. So tell us a little bit about the types of animals that you take in because not just dogs and cats.
2: Not just dogs and cats. So I started for dogs and cats but within two months um, there was a horse cruelty case and some starved horses. So we started taking in horses and then you know, the farm animals started rolling in and then these uh, exotic uh, animals that people were purchasing at pet stores for pets, you know, were rolling in. And so it just got to be where we would just take pretty much any type of animal. And the only thing we were lacking was wild animal. And um, about five years ago, I started the process to try to figure out how to become a wildlife rehabilitation center and this October it all fell into place and the perfect director and I formed um, our first wildlife rehabilitation center in the county and now um, we're the only building concrete building for um, this type of facility in 11 county stretch so it's um, it's unique because we literally take in every type of animal in
1: need. That's incredible, and what type of wildlife do you see the most coming into the rehab?
2: Well, I pulled the numbers before the show, and since um as of the end of last month, we've taken in a thousand eighty two wild animal admissions just since January, and it's it's everything there was over two hundred species have come in, which is completely fascinating to me, and I have to say that you know I'm always learning something <laughs> with this job, but you know, to sneak over there and to see these species that I've never even seen before. And, you know, I'm an avid animal lover. And it's, it's sad that you're seeing them under these circumstances, but just so many unique animals, everything like right now we have a little, you know, little pack of, I guess, herd is what you're supposed to call them, but baby deer that people have, you know, picked up and baby raccoons and fox and baby coyotes and, you know, hawks and eagles and you name it, we've, we've, either seen it or have it right now.
1: Oh my goodness. And and you mentioned before the show that you just recently took in seven or eight uh, starved horses.
2: Yes. Yeah, so a big part of what I do is um, I assist all the local counties with um, animal cruelty and animal neglect cases. And a lot of times they, um, you know, there's so much overturn in our industry, you know, there's, a lot everybody's new and they may not have had the training we try hard hard to get um you know animal cruelty prevention and training to our animal control officers and our law enforcement and our prosecutors here but there's the there's just so much turnover in this business and especially since covid so unfortunately the the officers that had been going out to do the welfare checks on these horses um just didn't know anything about horses and unfortunately we took nine in this past week and one didn't make it and and several pretty critical ones so we we're hoping that the rest of those make it this week but um heart-wrenching in fact you'll you'll get a kick out of this um Peggy because it's my my large animal vet tech's like well you know the farrier can come as long as the, we don't have more than 40 horses and I said well, we don't have more than 40 horses she goes Laurie that just made 41 I was like oh my gosh
1: oh my goodness that, that <laughs> is a, you're becoming a horse rescue for sure Well, I know that it takes a lot of funding to take care of all of these animals. So share with us how you are funded and and how we can help.
2: Well, um, I hate to say this number out loud because it even makes me physically ill, but we're up to a quarter of a million dollars a month for for operational, um, you know, what it takes to operate. We're between t- two locations right now we started on ten acres um, fifteen years ago and eight years ago we were donated a hundred so I've been working for eight years believe it or not on this new facility that's going to be the the hub of our um, organization and it's going to be a place where we can bring people in and it be in a tr- uh, you know a destination for animal advocates across the country to come and learn from us and Um, it's just, it's going to be fabulous when it's done, but everything's been so slow with COVID. So unfortunately we are operating between two locations right now and, um, that's what's it's, it's really killing us, but we have the light at the end of the tunnel and it's going to come around, but it's a lot of grant writing, a lot of, um, a lot of just letting people know what we're doing. You know, it's it, you hate to say you're begging for money all the time, and I, I never say that we beg, but I don't, don't think that anyone, um, if they don't know what you're doing, then how do they know that you need help? You know, and so I, I always try to tell uh, smaller groups and groups that come to me to get advice is that that's the best piece of advice that you can do because we're doing life-saving, amazing work. And and if you don't toot your own horn, then how are, how's anybody going to know about it? So thankfully we have a great community that, that steps up and, you know, steps up to the plate when we need the help, especially in cases like we just took in.
1: That's incredible. Well, so we could say that just if 250,000 people would just give a dollar a month, you'd be set. We'd be set. And if they gave more than that, then Mm. you'd really be doing well. So Yeah, if you're listening and you have a heart for animals, um, you should go visit, number one, um, if you're in the Panhandle area, and check out what Lori's doing, but you can also go to their website. Tell us your website address, Lori.
2: It's www.alaqua.org, and aliqua is spelled A-L-A-Q-U-A.org.
1: Not to be confused with the golf course in Orlando. This Alachua Animal Ref- Refuge up in uh, the Panhandle, right? I know. Um, so, share with us um, one or more memorable cases that you remember working on.
2: Well, um, well, this case that just happened is is pretty memorable. We've had some some real whoppers. From um, one time we were called in, and they were over eighty full size grapes pyrenees living in a woman's home that was pretty amazing because they were all feral and they had dug tunnels under her house and um you know we had to go (laughs) we had to go in and and not only catch them but find you know places that would take 80 great pyrenees but we did we put out the um the word through the country and even as far as canada and groups drove down and took four or five and it was um, it was an amazing collaboration of animal welfare advocates and groups come in to to solve that problem. Um, I was just telling someone else today about uh, the largest case we ever took was about four hundred animals, and they were breeders of all kinds, and they had fallen ill. It was a man and a woman, and both people were were ill. The man ended up passing away, but we ended up taking in all those animals, and we took in over eighty. Parrots, you know, macaws and cockatoos, that sort of thing, in one swoop. Um, so that was pretty interesting um, to take in that many large birds. So you learn quick <laughs> how to care for animals like that. But um, yeah, there's just there's unfortunately never a shortage of cases in, in this area, and we go as far as Louisiana and then up into Mississippi and Georgia and Alabama, and um, so we don't just work in Florida. So we come in. uh, Yeah, you're
1: really kind of getting the whole corridor there, aren't you? We are. Um, And now you've got a new project, Equine Interactions. Tell us about that.
2: Well, um, it actually started in 2014 when I took another group of horses that were older and they had medical conditions and they were going to be very difficult to adopt out. But you could tell that they kind of craved a job, you know, and and we wanted them to have a job, even if they were going to live here for the rest of their lives. Um, so I looked into equine assisted therapy and we found that um, these horses can help people that have, um, you know, conditions that are similar to theirs, PTSD and sexually abused children and that sort of thing. And so we, we started out slowly back in 2014, but just recently partnered with a fabulous group called um, Healing Hoof Steps, and they are what program really needed because um, they've got therapists of their own. They take health insurance. I mean, it took the program to the next level. So now we have a dedicated place. We are utilizing our our first location to have an equine assisted therapy um, uh, program right here out of our, our barns. And it's, um, it's just amazing what it does to, to people and what horses can do to you know, mental health situations that these people are experiencing.
1: Horses are amazingly intuitive, aren't they?
2: They are. They're the mirror of what the people are experiencing themselves. And I've seen it time and time again. And um, it's just, it feels so good to be helping, you know, these people that are so desperate for something to get their lives back.
1: Well, as a born horse lover myself, I can think of no better therapist than... An equine partner.
2: Yeah, me too.
1: All right, you're also working on something something called the Kindness Collective. What's that?
2: (laughs) Well, that program was born during COVID. Um, We, you know, we have over 400 active volunteers, which is amazing. In fact, I was looking at those numbers too. So just since January, we've had over 10,000 volunteer hours logged at the refuge, and um, you know, it's it's amazing. These people come out and they're so passionate, but I found that I'm talking to these and, you know, and everybody has a story and it seems like they're here because the animals were helping them, you know, with something that they were dealing with in their lives and um, you know, their husband had passed away or, you know, they had cancer themselves or whatever it may be. And so during COVID I thought, well, you know, why don't we just capitalize on that? Why don't we create some programs that are, you know, written and we'll take them to the next level where we can use these animals to to heal the human soul and so we started doing things called gratitude days where we were bringing out first responders and you know ER doctors that were so stressed out during the covid time and and just kind of letting them experience what our new facility had to offer which was nature walks and we have a labyrinth and a sacred space in the back but um just giving them the opportunity to sit with some of these animals just you know, and do some meditation, or, you know, we had some group therapy, that sort of thing. So that's really taken off. And I'm thrilled about that. And and when we open, we're going to have, um, you know, children's birthday parties, you know, around this concept, too. So it's not just the, you know, birthday party where you're giving gifts, you're actually, you know, learning something about self-healing and, 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 you know, kids need that as well. So it's, it's a pretty amazing program and I'm so excited that it's taken off and we'll be able to increase that. Um, you know, once we finally do open to the public,
1: do you know when that is what's your estimated time of opening?
2: Uh, next month.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's why we okay. have a- So
2: yes, uh, I'm so excited about that.
1: Yeah, that's very exciting. Um, Might have to get up there for that, right? I hope so. I can only imagine the types of challenges that you have on a day-to-day basis. Um, What are some that you can share with us?
2: Well, um, you know, staffing has been really challenging, um, and it's just a different world right now. It seems like, um, you know, our county is the fastest-growing county in the state. Um, You know, it's difficult to find affordable housing. Um, The vet shortage is real, You know, there's people all over the country trying to find um, veterinarians to come in and and we're one of them. So, um, you know, that's been a struggle. And then truthfully, I have to say that the last probably six to eight months, I have never seen as many dogs and cats in need as I have right now. It is absolutely unbelievable how many uh, requests we get. How many shelters that we worked at in the past that were very low kill that are now mass euthanizing for space, and I just—it's such a challenge because you don't know how to help all of these you know rural areas when they when they don't have the resources, and so that's something that really weighs heavy on your heart because it seemed like we were going in a great direction and and just in the last year. So have you heard that same thing, Peggy?
1: I have heard that, and and I'm wondering if it's kind of, uh, now that people are getting back to work, that they're not um, as focused on the animals that they may have taken in during the time when people were more kind of working from home. I don't know if that's the the reason.
2: Yeah, I don't either. I think it's a combination of different things, and and you know, the housing thing, you know, is is real in our area. It's difficult to to find a place to live, much less one that'll let you bring your pets, and it's sad it's a tough time so it's and it's it takes a toll on everybody at the organization because you know you're answering the phone and you're getting 150 surrender requests in a day it's tough it's tough to find people to answer the phone you know it's just
1: it's it would be hard come. for me to do that just to you know keep a smile in your voice when your heart is breaking yeah it's true right so that's well you are the lady of many many hats and um I I can't keep up with you, but I try. Um, um, So what else are you working on? Um, And what can you share with us about, um, well, number one, Lori Hood's Difference Makers, because that's a really cool thing that's happening.
2: Thank you. Um, You know, I did that, like you said, the um, Animal PD show on Nat Geo Wild, which was wonderful. Um, and then you know, COVID hit and all, all the producers were on furlough and, and we decided, well, why don't we try to just do something that, not to say that wasn't a wonderful experience with Nat Geo Wild, but the, the networks own your footage. So if they shoot something and you really don't want that to be seen, yeah, they're going to show it anyway, And my goal for doing that that show was, oh, my gosh, the world's going to get to see what we do. They're going to get to see us going into these backyard breeders. They're going to get to see us going and, you know, taking these animals away from people and prosecuting them. And that's not the way it went. It was it just wasn't showing what I wanted them to show. So we decided to do our own and it's called a vodcast. So it's a video podcast series. And we we um, we take footage from from different scenarios anyway. um, I called it the difference makers because we're going in and and how you know some of the things we do like for example we take in horses from these cruelty cases and we'll have a wild mustang in there. Well how did that happen? Like we're in Florida. How did this mustang caught out in the west end up in somebody's backyard tied to a tree? How did that happen? So I take some of the stories that we're dealing with, but then highlight these people that are at the top of their game, you know, that are really making the difference. They're the difference makers for, for those animals in that fight and, and letting the country see what, what they're dealing with and how they can help. And there is this big picture in almost every segment of what we're doing from wild animals to horses, to dogs, to cats, to all of it. And so um, I'm really proud of the show and I'm proud of some of the people we've had on lately. And um, I'm hoping it it truly takes off because they are some really fabulous individuals that I've been able to um, meet and interview.
1: There are so many wonderful people out there that are doing so many different things and and yet the need continues to grow. Right. So um don't ever think if you're listening that the that the problem is solved because it's not. Um and and you you like me, I mean, I'm just trying to highlight all the wonderful things that people are doing out there in the animal right. world so that hopefully, you know. If your voice is talking and my voice is talking and a thousand other voices are talking, maybe um, somebody will hear that will make a difference, and and that's all we can ask for.
2: Yeah. Well, we have to inspire people to, to make to want to make the change. And I think when they hear some of these stories, like some of the people you've interviewed too, it's um it's you know, that one person made that difference. You know, it doesn't take a whole bunch of people, it can just take one voice and And I think um, I think people need to understand that you can you can help and you can be the voice for those that have none. So I think it's wonderful what you're doing and I'm hoping to do the same.
1: Well, and I always owe Lori a special debt of gratitude because For those of you who have seen my picture with my cute little tri-color bingo, um, he came direct from Lori, in fact, right out of Lori's own house, because she wanted to adopt him. And instead, she let me adopt him when I was looking for a corgi to fill a little hole in my heart. And he is a special guy, and I can't thank her enough. He is a special guy. He's so cute. He is just like the best thing ever. Everyone tries to steal him from me, but <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. In fact, one of my neighbors up in Virginia was inspired and went and got his own corgi because I oh, wouldn't give him good. bingo. Um oh, okay. But bingo is not for adoption. Bingo is in his forever home. He is loved, loved, loved beyond compare. He is just the best little dog. Um, I would love for you know, our listeners to go to your website at aliqua.org, dot org and check out all the wonderful things that Lori's doing. I especially love the wildlife program. And weren't you doing something with bears as well?
2: Well, um, we've started a fund and we're going to build the first uh, black bear sanctuary in the state of Florida that I'm aware of. Um, our area in the panhandle is the second largest black bear population in the state and the highest, um, the quickest, um, what am I trying to say? The, the most, the number one in development in the state. So those two combinations is uh deadly for bears. And so I want to build a facility that provides um, black bears that can't be released back into the wild that uh, are able to, you know, handle the stress of being contained a lot of those are hand raised so it wouldn't be just taking the problem black bear out of a neighborhood and stick it in an enclosure but um, some that truly you know can be okay in captivity because that is definitely not the goal of what anything we want to do but um but have an educational center you know around that and and try to educate um both our residents and all of the millions of visitors we get in this area, you know, how to peacefully coexist with these amazing animals. And um, I think a lot of people just don't realize it. And and definitely a lot of tourists that come here don't realize they can be at their beach house. And if they leave their trash out, a black bear is going to get in it because that's what's happening. And unfortunately they call and if they're called, you know, several times, it's, it ends up being a death sentence for these animals. And we definitely don't want that to happen. So I'm excited to get that um, going. We have 50 acres set aside in the 100 acre, um, you know, new facility for these animals um, like this. And so I'm excited to make that a permanent part of our organization.
1: Well, that's going to be very exciting when that happens. And and I hate to say this, but I think we have to figure out a way to discourage too many people from moving to Florida.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And to that, I agree.
1: Because it's happening everywhere. I mean, the development is just like nuts. I mean, Europe in the panhandle, I'm here in central Florida. And everywhere you turn, they're just building more and more and more and more. Yeah. And it's
2: it's sad. There's so many native species that are just being pushed out. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's not fair. They were here first. And so, you know, the more people we can get to realize that and learn to love them, I think, uh, would be a pretty amazing thing.
1: That would be amazing, um I've had a new owl move into my yard for some reason. He's decided that he likes where we live, and uh he's pretty amazing to watch as he swoops over the pastures every night. I love it yeah they're they're beautiful. There's so many incredible um species out there, as you mentioned and and I know you're seeing them in your wildlife rehab um any panthers have you had any panthers come in?
2: not yet knock on wood um not yet and people think that they don't make it all the way up to the panhandle but they do people see them um you know and it's unfortunate because they're coming from so far to get here and you know one of
1: our local wildlife photographers recently posted a picture of a mother and a a young um wasn't a baby but it was like a, a yearling um cub um which was just amazing and Literally just miles from my house. So, really? Yeah. So it, it there's a part of me that's a it's a little bit scary, but then it's so wonderful that um that they're that they're there.
2: Yeah. Can you imagine trying to maneuver that being that animal and having a baby with them and trying to maneuver the houses and the traffic and the roads and the
1: oh no, I can't. And um, but that means you know, because she has a baby, that means there's a daddy somewhere too. And um, you just wonder, because it's not like, I mean, I live in a rural community and I've never seen a bear even in my neighborhood, although people have claimed to have seen them, but then to have uh, the bears and the panthers and the bobcats really within just miles of where <laughs> it's really amazing. It truly is. So thank you. Um, I, all I can say is thank you for all you're doing and all of the awareness that you're bringing to um, the public and and those of us that love animals and and just keep on fighting the good fight, Lori.
2: <laughs> thank you, Peggy, I will.
1: <laughs> yeah, we sure appreciate it. So uh, thank you to our listeners as well. We were talking with Lori Hood today. She's the uh, founder of Aliqua Animal Refuge up in the panhandle, aliqua.org. And um, we hope that you'll join us each and every week here on All My Children Wear Fur Coats. Um, until there are none, folks, please adopt one. And until next time, happy tales!
0: Thank you for joining us on All My Children Wear Fur Coats with your host, Peggy Hoyt. We hope you learned something valuable for the benefit of your pet. We want to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. Get more information about creating a legacy for your pet at AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Buy a copy of All My Children Wear Fur Coats, How to Leave a Legacy for Your Pet on Amazon, join our email list, or make a donation. Pet professionals and advisors are invited to join our trusted advisor network. Until next time, happy tails!